Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Yep, you go. No, I'll go first. Okay. Hey, it's Evie. (laughs) (laughs) Starting again. (laughs) He's pissing himself. (laughs) Start again. Go. Come oh, on. Yeah. Natural. Hey. No, I would never say hey. Okay. 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 Yeah. Yo. <laughs> I wouldn't say that either. Okay. Yeah. Hi. No, no. my God, I'm really nervous now. Okay. Are you ready? Yep. Go. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Hello and welcome. Hello. You've called Evie Jones. <laughs> Hello and welcome. <laughs> My name's Annie Petitos. Welcome, 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 welcome. Hello, I'm Evie Jones. And I'm Annie Potatoes. You are Annie Potatoes. And this is Chicks Tree. Chicks in history. Yeah, that's it. Together. That's it. It's not bad. It's pretty good. It's, it's pretty it's good. Very good. Did we I think I came up with that, didn't I? Can I just take that? Is that was that me? No, I did. I definitely Pretty did. Pretty sure it was me. I've got it on tape. I, I think on transcript think as well. Um, Your Honour, um, interjection. <laughs> I object. Now, welcome to our first episode. Annie. Yes, welcome. Thank you, Evie. Welcome to you as well. Thank you. I mean, this but, is just. I mean, this is a dream come true. It is. It's. It's something we've wanted to do for a really long time. It is. Sit in a really small room with a really hot guy yep. and just talk at each other. I know. About chicks. Exactly. And also just hear our monotone voices just echoing back at us. Our monotone dulcet tones. Dulcet tones. I'd like to just start our first episode with mm. a little backstory. Our chickstery. Yeah, our chickstery. Exactly. Our I'm Evie Jones, you're Annie Potatoes, but you weren't born Annie Potatoes. <laughs> funnily enough. No, I wasn't. We I met wasn't. about 20 years ago. We did. Uh, we did. We were we met on a fire escape. Correct. In Manly Town. Correct. We always called it Manly Town too, even Manly though we Town. both lived there. We both called it was just Manly in New South Wales in Sydney, mm. but we loved calling it Manly Town. It's a very mm, old town. Manly it's actually, town. there's a, a statue of Captain Cook there pointing, and he it was because he saw a black mm-hmm. Indigenous man and said, mm-hmm. isn't he Manly? And you know where we met that, that uh, on the stair? Well, so I was living with a boyfriend at the time in that flat. No, you weren't. Oh, I wasn't. I moved into that you flat later. That but at flat. That, when I met you, I wasn't there. That was living your first there. date with him that True night. True story. God, I forgot. Anywho, I did eventually move into that you flat. You did. And um, it was the, the block of flats. If you're coming over on the ferry yep. and you pulled into Manly. From Circular from Quay. From Circular Quay and you pulled into Manly, there was a pink building and it's the only building that you can directly see as you're coming into yep. the um, wharf. On the ferry, yeah. And we lived on the top floor and it was amazing. Like yeah. the view was incredible um, and it was very um, – 
lots of, you know, nightlife and everything going oh. on. But that um, Captain Cook statue, a man um, actually climbed up onto the roof and pushed that statue down off the roof through the ceiling. There was a pizza restaurant underneath. Yeah. Uh, Indigenous man crawled up and um, pushed the statue over. It fell through the ceiling and um, it was a massive commotion. And we were sitting on our windowsills because we could see out out the front of the windows. We could see exactly. Everything, Everything that was happening. I've never um, known this story. Yeah, and he was um, he was captured by he tried to make a run for it, and one of the guys in the crowd because it drew such a big crowd, um, and he's so lucky there was no one sitting under the roof of the restaurant. Um, but there was uh, you know um, glass everywhere, and uh, uh, just a onlooker captured him and um, held him to the ground until the police oh, came. Because yeah, that I building is very I... old. It is that very you lived old. in. So yeah. it would have been one of the first buildings in Sydney. Yeah. It was like 1913 or something or 14, 16, oh, 17, been, 18. It, wasn't it was a date. It was a date. So we met on a fire escape yeah, in that building and um, – We were smoking ciggies and drinking probably out of a cask of wine, Chateau du Cardboard, as I like to call I it. back. what we did drink back then. Probably. Or maybe spirits. No. Anyway, we introduced ourselves. You said, I said, I'm Evie. And and I said, said, I'm Annette. And I said, well, I'm Yvette, born, but everyone calls me Evie, so I'm going to call you Annie. Yes. And I said, no one calls me Annie. I was like, well, you look like an Annie. You know what you look like? What? You look like an Annie Potatoes. And it's stuck ever since. 20 years later. And that's it. I mean, it's not like a uh, like an amazing story. It's not, but it is the story that keeps giving because when Annie's drunk, she's a smashed potato. When she <laughs> when True. she's a bit high, she's a fried potato, baked potato, <laughs> baked potato. That's it. Um, when she's a bit messy, she's a mashed potato. Oh, look! It just it does keep on giving. And um, yeah. when she's hot, she's a boiled potato. <laughs> So, uh, but anyway, so yeah, so I, from that day on, I have been known as Annie Potatoes to Evie and anyone who's met me via Evie yeah. has called me Annie Potatoes. So Everyone else calls you Nettie. Yeah, they do. They do. And I don't care what you call me, to be honest. Just call me. Call me whatever you like. <laughs> Just call me. <laughs> exactly. Welcome to our first episode. Our podcast is about chicks in history called Chickstry. And it's basically us talking about women in history. We are not historians. We We are are just chicks who really like stories. And we really want to know more about women in history. We've realised that most history books are written by men Mm -hmm. about men and women happen to appear in them. His story. Yeah, very good. Get it? Yeah, we want her story. We do. We want the chickstry. Chick story, chick story. Um, we do, yeah, we want to shine a light on that. There's a lot of women we know and women we don't know who also want to know more about women in history. So mm. that's exactly what this podcast was created for. Exactly. If you've been sitting around during ISO wondering what the bloody hell has been going on in the world for the last 100 or so years. That's heaps more than 100. <laughs> 200, 70, 105. We are here to tell you the stories. What's been going on in the last 1100 years? Oh, and the other reason why I love that we're doing this podcast is that you have the best 1920s broadcast radio voice. <gasps> 
I love a good, you know those old... And that's going to get a really good run. Yeah. So keep an ear out for that. Keep an ear out, get it? That's all you've got is an ear. But we also want um, to hear from you guys as well. So write in, let us know if you've got a story, if you've got a, an amazing story from a woman in your family that you want to tell um, everybody, tell the story of, then email us at... mychickstree at gmail.com. I can't believe you remembered that. I know, I'm amazing. I know, it's the one thing I've remembered. It's pretty it's very damn. rare. Every week we're going to talk about one and you're starting this week. I am. I'm Who going first. Okay, let's go. All right, so this is the story of a strong, defiant and entrepreneurial woman who was once the most celebrated lady swimmer in the world. Uh, is it Annette Kellerman? No. Oh. Uh, and she was also instrumental in introducing physical education to Australia. So physical education was actually a thing, education about being physical. Yeah, PE. Yeah, but this she was instrumental in bringing that right. to Australia. Um, and that was at a time when a local newspaper of the day, this is how they talk about physical education for women, Neglect of education in this direction amounts to a national injury since the race depends largely for its stamina on the mothers. Girls are now emulating their brothers in intellectual attainments. Oh, wow. But this will soon reach the inevitable breaking point unless <gasps> they, like their brothers, make their bodies robust in proportion. The severer the mental strain, so much the stronger must the body be to bear it. Wow. So that was from a newspaper clipping. Who wrote that? The newspaper um, journos of the time. Well, that's actually pretty, like, all about mental health and using, you know, exercise to help out with that. A hundred percent. So Harriet Elphinstone Dick. (laughs) Let's say that again. Harriet Elphinstone Dick. (laughs) <laughs> Let's just get it out now. <laughs> elephant, elephant stone dick. All right. All right, we've done it. it. Got it out. Got, got to shake it off. She Evie. was also known as Harriet Elizabeth Rowell. Oh, um, that's better. <laughs> but, yeah, but, you know, back in the day they just changed their name all the time. And also um, because Why? she was a woman, because she was a woman and she uh, competed in swimming races, she entered herself as H. Dick. <laughs> H Dick, so or Harry oh, Harry Dick, that, so yes. so that so that um, that was her male, I guess, pseudonym. Well, that was the woman, the first woman that ran a marathon. She entered as a um, an initial and a last yeah. name. So a lot of women did. One. A lot of you would have to, and writers as well. Mm, exactly. So she was born in 1852 in Brighton, England. Um, oh, there's not a lot that we know about her childhood. There's I couldn't find a lot on that. But other than she loved sports, she liked riding horses, she liked rifle shooting. You know, oh, just who the, doesn't exactly? And she was the third of eleven children. Oh my god! Um, they had so many children. Eleven children. Yeah, and she lost two siblings at a very early age due to diphtheria. Um, so by the time she got to her late teens, she became a really good swimmer and she began uh, teaching swimming. Sw- swimming? Swimming? <laughs> so by the time she was in her late teens, she became a very good swimmer and she taught swimming at the local baths in Brighton. 
I know those ones. Do you? Have you been? I have been to Brighton. Oh, there you go. I had a lovely weekend in Brighton once. I'll tell you right now. I'll tell you right now. Um, so in 1875, she completes a 10-kilometre swim in approximately two um, hours and 45 minutes and she what, swims from Shoreham to Brighton. So 10 kilometres. And it's rough seas. Mm. It's September. Oh, that's cold. Uh, and a newspaper art, paper article at the time um, describes the circumstances were decidedly unfavourable. Um, but it was said that what she accomplished that day was one of the greatest swimming feats of the present day. Wow. These yeah. are the things we don't know about. Exactly. She was described, Miss Dick was described as a remarkably, don't, every time I say that you can't chuckle. I can't. I can't, if you're going to say Dick, Miss Dick as well, you may get a little snide. Okay, Miss Dick is a remarkably well-built young lady and on the occasion alluded to wear a handsome blue swimming dress decorated with medallion records of her victories in English waters. Um, And apparently she used to swim with her jewellery, her bracelets and her rings and her medallions as well. You know who she is? Who? She's the Flojo of water. She is the Flojo of water. Remember Flojo? I do. We'll get to her another time. Yeah. Um, So anyway, after she uh, becomes relatively famous where she is in Brighton, um, she gets headhunted by a man um, from Melbourne named Captain Kenny Captain? Captain Kenny. He owns the Victorian Ladies' Baths in St Kilda. Wow. And he headhunts her. So I don't know how that worked back then because no LinkedIn. Isn't the St Kilda Baths the ones you go to? No. So apparently between St Kilda Pier Mm -hmm. um, and Brooks Jetty, Mm -hmm. so going south, all that strip along there, that was home to about six bathing houses. Really? Back in the day. Yeah. Wow. So she, so this, um, this one that she uh, came to, to join was um, one of those. Right. And I'll tell you. That little, doesn't exist anymore. Doesn't exist anymore. Okay. No. Um, so she decides that she's going to move to Australia. Wow. This is 1875. She packs up. She tells her family. Check you never. I'm bloody going to Australia. <laughs> That's it, Mum. Is that your Brighton accent? Where am I from? I don't know. <laughs> You're not from the north. Might, I might have a cup of tea and go and catch a boat to Australia. What is that? That's dreadful. Is Bad. that what is that is? Anyway, but she doesn't travel alone. Who does she come with? Her husband, no. her son, her no. daughter, no. her sister, no. friend, she, well, a dog. She brings her lady friend. Oh, called Alice Moon. Oh, Moon and Dick. Now, <laughs> Dick Moon. <laughs> so apparently this back so good. in those days, um, oh. so apparently back in those days, being in an openly gay male relationship was not on. It was illegal. Yeah, and, and it, you were ostracised. It was not um, allowed. Were women allowed? But women, on the other hand, um, they would live. They could live quite easily um, oh. in a gay relationship because people just simply denied it, or just pretend like it's not happening. You know, like the relationships living together were, was okay, but, but it's it, okay. It, what, they they didn't denied, even admit that it was a gay thing. They denied it. They but just two totally, bachelors living together was a well, no, 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 sir. Oh wow! 
So anyway, they um, they both jump on a ship, P and O. No, they jump on a ship. <laughs> the fair star. The fair star. <laughs> um, how long do you reckon it takes them to get to? I'm going to say three to six months. Oh, close. So four months. They make it to Melbourne. They arrive in Melbourne. So at the time also a really interesting fact is that it wasn't uncommon for um, many ships to become shipwrecked on that journey. Really? Yes, it was very common. And a lot of children died because they didn't know how to swim. No. And the English today still don't know how to swim. (laughs) I mean, she was probably the only one, right? (laughs) True. And the people that she taught. So anyway, luckily they make it to Melbourne. They don't get shipwrecked. Well, clearly. Otherwise the story's crap. They arrive in Melbourne in 1875. Wow, they went over the New Year's. Melbourne in 1875. Three years prior, 1872, Susan B. Anthony is arrested and brought to trial in Rochester, New York for attempting to vote in the presidential election. The Melbourne Cup has already been going for 14 years and Melbourne is on its way to becoming Australia's most populated city, overtaking Sydney. We are two years away from the first test cricket match between Australia and England at the Melbourne Cricket Ground. Electric street lighting is still 19 years away. Go, you good thing. She joins uh, Captain Kenny's baths in St Kilda and this Captain Kenny guy, he became a bit of a pioneer of swimming baths um, in St Kilda. So I don't know if he owned all of them but he was he kind of set up um, the, the baths in um, St Kilda and around that area in Melbourne. So he was a bit of a, you know, he was, he was well known for that. So um, He was a baths guy. What he did though, which was um, kind of interesting, is that he purchased a condemned Scandinavian vessel. Um, and he used it as a bathing ship. So apparently it was quite common for the locals to um, take themselves out to this ship and swim either off it or around it. But it was very common that you would say if she, if there was a swimming race or a performance, the newspaper articles say that it was going to be in the bathing ship. In it? In it. Like would you go from shore to ship or you go to inside the ship? Well, and there's water in there. I think it's the yeah because they're it's scuttled. In with water. The boat is scuttled, which means it's um sunk, 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 and sunk, sank, sunk, 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 and yeah, and then wow. they swim in and around it. So um, huh. that's where she uh, taught swimming and where she did her ornamental uh, demonstrations of. Fancy swimming. Fancy swimming? Yes. They called it fancy swimming or ornamental swimming. Was that like? Let me tell you. Okay. The list of, of, of performances from Miss Dick. She would do the dive in head first, the come up feet first, the on the side, on the breast, on the back, feet first, without hands, without feet, with one hand and one foot, revolving stroke, butterfly swimming, treading water, and Is how this- some ladies swim. Is this synchronised swimming, the original synchronised swimming? I think it is. I think it is. And then she would also do various modes of floating. (laughs) That was the thing. Uh, The windmill, the asleep in the water, the steamer, the skipping in the water, the hoop feet, the revolving feet, the spinning top feet, the somersaults and the drowned rescue, my personal favourite. 
Oh, the drowned. Oh, this yeah. is brilliant. I could see this being done in drunk history. Oh, yeah. Captain Kenny decides to put on a swimming tournament and he's like, right, I'm going, we're going to do a swimming race and um, the winner of the race will take home a silver cup worth 10 pounds. And um, the tournament is open to both sexes and it is also the first race that happened back in the day where competitors have to wear proper costumes and get this. Lady spectators are allowed, but they have to have a man accompany them. My eyes have rolling in the so, back of my head. So the race um, is advertised in the local newspaper yep. and um, only one competitor turns up to take her on because everyone knows how damn good she is. One guy turns up, Mr McConjugal. We're going to call him Mr G. Mr McConjugal, as in visit? Mr McConjugal. Conjugal visit. McConjugal. Wow, that's just got a muck in front of it, hasn't it? <laughs> it's Mr. McConjugal. Mm. Um, so both competitors swam what is known as the breaststroke and um, basically there's a little bit of, this is where it gets a bit grey, different stories, different tales around what actually happened. Long story short, she beats him. There is a report that he had asked for a re-race because but she beats him again. So, look, regardless of what happens, she beats him. She wins the, the cup and um, afterwards she gives an exhibition of various swimming styles. I just love that she was like, oh, I've, oh did you want me to now show you how While to I'm do here. it? Might as well. Might as well. So she stays in Melbourne Watch my teaching. windmill. Yeah, here comes my here comes my feet first. <laughs> one foot, my one, belly up. one arm, one hand, one foot. Here's my float. Totally. Here's my other float. So she stays in Melbourne teaching swimming, mm. um, you know, and just kind of generally beating men at races. And um, the local newspaper reports, sadly, that uh, on April 1877, Miss Dick will make her last appearance in public. Oh, why? So um, she will go through some swimming, diving and floating performances in a graceful manner. Floating. So she returns to England with Alice. Oh, does she? Yeah. They go back to England. And the reason they go back to England is they both go and study elementary physiology, anatomy and medical gymnastics. Wow. So that it can be applied to curable deformities. Oh, wow. So they're brainiacs as well as... Physical performance. Absolutely. So, and Miss Moon, Alice Moon, also taught at the um, baths as well. So she was a bit of a swimmer as well. So she's obviously quite athletic as well. But she all, she came from a uh, quite a rich family. So she um, had a bit of money. Mm. She was the daughter of a doctor and mm. quite well to do. So when... Um, Mystic. When Harriet leaves, um, she tells everybody, um, "Don't fret. I'm going to come back. I'm going to resume swimming lessons when I get back." Um, and she vows that when she comes back, she's going to start offering free lessons for children, yeah. so that she can try and prevent all the children dying in the shipwrecks. Oh wow! What back in England or back in Australia? In Australia, yeah, when she comes right. back to Australia, so she's going to really try and, um, you know, perhaps this is where like. You know, growing up in Australia, we were forced to do swimming lessons. Yeah, we were. Yeah, like every and Laurie child. Lawrence was the one that changed that and made it that babies, like yes. really young, fifteen weeks old, could start, start learning swimming. to float. Yeah, I mean, I remember Change being like lives. three or four and going to swimming lessons. Yeah. I still have memories of yeah. diving to the bottom of the pool and picking yeah. up a 
uh, um, hoop yeah. yeah, and bringing it back to the top. So oh. um, so anyway, but, yeah, so she she said, I'll, I'll come and do for any – I'll offer free lessons to girls under 15. Mm. And um, so she keeps a promise. She comes back um, a year later, her and Alice come back, and they're um, equipped with their new competencies in physical education. Wow. In 1879, they returned to Melbourne and they opened Melbourne's first women's only gymnasium. Fernwood. Shapes. Gloria Marshall. Gloria Marshall. Remember Gloria yes. Marshall from the 80s? Oh, my. What happened at Gloria Marshall? Oh, they went Gloria under. Marshall. They went under. No, but what happened when you went there? Oh, well, you, they had machines that you lied on or you stood on and mm. they shook uh, the fat like off the you. Belts, their belt Yeah, thing? they had the belt oh, thing. Love but it. They had a machine that would go, and you'd just be like lying there going, oh, my God, I can't believe this is working. Well, it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so they open um, they open this gym and at the time in Melbourne CBD there's four gyms, um, all men only gyms. So they have come to Melbourne and said, we're going to open a ladies gym. And they open it um, in the Queen Victoria building, which used to stand where the Melbourne City Square was. That's not there anymore. That was demolished uh, to make way for the new CBD South train station, which is going to be the new town hall station. So the gym was there for quite a few years and then it moved to Little Collins Street. So, yeah, so they teach what was known as a rational gymnastics as opposed to irrational irrational gymnastics. Um, And just made more sense. They... (laughs) It was just more rational. Uh, They treated deformities such as curvatures of the spine and Mm -hmm. stiff and weak joints, contracted chest, high shoulders, infantile paralysis and other deformities that can be cured or benefited by movement. Um, But they were only allowed to do so by with the approval of a medical man. A medical man? A medical man. So that's, what do you call that today, PT? Yeah, but they had to have a doctor yeah, but to that, say. Now you learn it. What's like PT? Physio. Sta- physio um, Physical training. OT. Physical what's, tra- what's OT? Occupational therapy. therapy. So that's Something. like rehab, isn't it? Which yeah. you have to get a degree in. Yeah. You have to be like a doctor to do it. Yeah, so fair enough. They started this. Yeah. So the thing to note is that um, most of these deformities were caused by what women were wearing at the time. So they were wearing whalebone corsets mm. and it was very fashionable to have teeny tiny little waists. I can't believe Kim Kardashian's brought that back. <sighs> yeah, it's a big problem. I know. It is a big problem because um, women were literally killing themselves. Mm. Literally. Literally dying um, to stay up with the um, with the fashion. But Harriet and Alice... They were like, no, 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 no. This is silly. This is ridiculous. Let your guts hang out, what? ladies. <laughs> what are you doing? We need to teach women how to hold themselves up and be strong without um, being propped up by a corset. Yeah. So, um, do you know when I had a bad back? I always have a bad back. Mm. But doctors have always refused to give me um, back support. Yeah. Because they said you'll rely on it. Exactly. Exactly. And you won't well, use your muscles. That's exactly what Harriet replies with when somebody uh, writes to her in the local newspaper. So they communicate 
um, back then by writing letters to each other in the local newspaper. So someone writes in to the editor, um, attention to Miss Elphinstein Dick. Um, mm-hmm. my, I have a problem with my daughter um, stooping. Yes. And uh, Harriet replies with, Dear Madam, I have for years endeavoured to find anything that can be worn by girls as a curative or preventative of stooping, and I firmly believe nothing exists that will take the place or do the work for the muscles. If the chest and intercostum intercostal muscles are contracted, the girls should sing and whistle. The latter is the best. Do it now. Throw your chest forward, lift your head up, and then try to whistle as loudly as possible. Oh. <laughs> Hello, Okay. And um, so apparently you do that, your Ooh. muscles will ache dreadfully at first, but it's one of the best things you can do. That, throwing Indian clubs, also doing exercises with dumbbells for the shoulder blades, um, and it is guaranteed that the girl would carry herself well within six months. It's true. Yeah. Huh. So as well as providing physical fitness advice, um, Harriet also begins lectures on women's health and what to do for first help in accidents, what we now know today as first aid. Wow. She holds lectures on the evils of the way that women are dressing at the time. And um, there's a review in the newspaper. She does one of her lectures and one of the um, newspaper writers reviews her lectures and she says that um, she dwelt at length, and I cannot help urging the subject in these columns, on the great mistakes so many of us make by our irrational mode of dress. And apparently she goes on to say that it wasn't very well received. Although Harriet spoke with all the enthusiasm of a reformer, she doubted if her eloquence had much effect on her audience. Mm. They were willing to be taught about sprains and bruises, cut fingers and broken noses, but they don't place very much faith in the statement that the stayless woman is a graceful one. Stayless. Stayless, so you know the corsetless. Oh, right. Is a graceful one, nor do they think that their stays are tight enough to injure their health. So, what ensues is a war between um, the women who are for the stays and the corsets and the women like Harriet who are like, nah, we don't want to wear these anymore. So, Harriet keeps holding lectures. She keeps advocating for women's physical fitness. Uh, and in 1882, uh, the ladies travel are travelling weekly to Ballarat uh, for uh, gymnastic instruction that they're providing in Ballarat. And on the way back from Ballarat, they almost meet their fate one day. How? Oh, tell me. Da, 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 da. Dun, 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 dun. How? So they're, so they're travelling... So they're travelling back from Ballarat um, and... Travelling back from, from Ballarat. Ballarat. Did we just make that song up? We did. Yeah. It Love was it. really complicated. Buy it where all good CDs are sold. They're travelling back from Ballarat and... Copycat, tra- dirty rat, travelling on a Ballarat. <laughs> <laughs> Sitting on a lump of fat. That's brilliant. Um, they're travelling back, <laughs> travelling back from Ballarat and their train collides with a goods train at Little River near Werribee. The carriage next to the one that Harriet and Alice are in is destroyed and three passengers are killed. Oh, my goodness. So uh, 
Miss Dick says that she had no warning of the collision and the first she knew of it, um, there was a terrific crash which threw her violently from her seat to the opposite side of the compartment. She strikes her head on the woodwork. She soon recovers. She wakes up and she sees that her companion, Alice, has been more seriously hurt. Her forehead is bleeding. She's been cut across the eye. And the reports say that Alice never really fully recovered from her um, eye injury. Right. So they start instructing at various ladies' colleges and by 1881, Harriet and Alice have 190 gymnastics pupils and they're paying 29 shillings a quarter. So I did a bit of Googles, Mm -hmm. a bit of Googling in today's money. That would be something like 60 bucks a quarter. Mm -hmm. And back then it was two days wages for a skilled uh, tradesman. Wow. So as well as as keeping up the uh, gymnastic stuff, they dabble in a few other things, like they open an all-female farm and they open a restaurant. So they're little entrepreneurs. Yeah. Little go-getters. Yeah. And it's around 1887 that Alice kind of disappears from all the newspaper reports. So, um, mm. and and Harriet has a new partner in crime, a Miss J McCormick, oh. who becomes her partner at uh, the gym. Oh. So what we do know about Alice is that she moves to Sydney without Harriet. Mm, there was a breakup there. Wasn't well, there? it's hard to find out. Um, it was hard to find info on exactly what happened between mm. those two, um, but they do split both romantically and professionally. And they didn't announce it on their socials, so no one will ever know. They didn't update their Facebook. They didn't. Like no longer in a relationship. They just never ever announced it. They never made that announcement. Exactly. Uh, so Alice becomes a journalist working for the bacteriologist. Oh, I can't believe I said that right. You did. That was really good. I'm not going to do it again because I'll stuff it up. John McGarvey Smith. Oh, yeah, McGarvey Institute. Famous for the McGarvey Institute, which or still is exists. Is the Garvin Institute today. that I'm thinking? There is a McGarvey Institute, I'm sure. I'm going to Google that. All right, you Google that. I'll keep going. Uh In 1892, Harriet follows her to Sydney uh, and sadly nothing eventuates though. And just two years later at the age of just 37, Alice falls ill suddenly and dies. And there's a really good book uh, called Making Trouble, Tongued with Fire by Sue Ingleton uh, and that kind of delves into the mysterious death, um, Alice's mysterious death. And so if that's what, you know, that kind of stuff blows your hair back. Go get it. Okay. What's it called? It's called Making Trouble, Tongued with Fire by Sue Ingleton. Tongued with fire. Tongued with fire. So Harriet returns to Melbourne, Mm -hmm. heartbroken and alone. Mm -hmm. And between 1899 and 1900, she runs a general store and then becomes a principal of the School of Physical Culture and Medical Gymnastics at 243 Collins Street, Melbourne. McGarvey Smith, McGarvey Smith Institute. Institute. It's Googled true. It. It's true. It's a bacterial. There you go. It's not Still a on. bacteria. It's a bacterial, bacterial thing. Ol- See, I can't say it again. No, but very good. Thanks. So anyway, uh, she continues to live a pretty active lifestyle and at the age of 50, she dies of a heart attack, sadly. See, too much exercise. This is why I don't exercise. <laughs> it can kill you. It's true. <laughs> she had a heart attack. This is true. Too much calisthenics. Exercise will kill you. Or did she die of a broken heart? We'll never know. 
The death register entry shows the place of Harriet's death as South Brighton, Victoria, Ooh. and the cause of her death is heart failure from a dilated and fatty heart. Fatty heart? Yes. Oh, so she wasn't exercising that much then. She's probably having too many deep fried mash bags. Yeah, you know what South Brighton's like? No. I don't know either. <laughs> but are, they, are they nuts for a deep fried Mars bar? Well, who isn't? Have you ever had a deep fried Mars bar? I have. I've had one at Bondi. Yeah. They were crap. And then they moved on to like deep fried Snickers. They did. Yeah. Deep fried like shoes, oh, just, deep fried. Yeah. Stop deep silly. frying everything. Yeah. Just deep fry your fish. Uh, so Harriet is buried in Old Cheltenham Cemetery. <gasps> we should go and visit. Grave number 105, Compartment D, Church of England. Compartment D? Yeah. It's a pretty big cemetery. Okay. Yeah. So thank you, Harriet Elphinstein Dick, for putting women's physical health on the agenda in Australia and not being afraid to challenge the way women were expected to dress. Yes, good on you. Good on you. (laughs) H-E-D. So every week on our podcast, we also want to read out one or more emails, stories from people that have contacted us. We do. So if you have a story about a woman in your family, um, email us at mm. my chick street. Great. They've been so um, cool to read. And how's that one that we got from the history teacher? I know. I really like that. We'll just we'll just do an honourable mention of, of a woman called Courtney Forsyth. Please do. Who just simply sent us an email saying, just saw your announcement on Instagram and I can't wait. I'm a history teacher in, in an all-boys high school in Sydney and can't wait to hear personal and family histories and things like that. So Excellent. I think that... that oh, I love it. Made a fire in my belly. Well, that just paid for itself. <laughs> so, but this week, our first one for this week, we're just going to choose one email. Yeah. This one's kind of relevant to me. Yeah, you're going to read this this week's email out. This yeah. is how we'll roll. This is what we'll do each week is we'll read an email out. Yep. And um, this will be one that's never going to be in the history books. This is personal for people. It comes mm. from their family, down their line. Remember, people, history could be yesterday, okay? History was yesterday. It, it literally <laughs> is yesterday. It was literally like a second ago. So it can be pretty much about anything, then, about your sister. Back then, it just then. Be, yeah. When you just said about your sister, that what was What I just said. What you just said. Is history. History. Now. And, it, and you know, you're a chick, so it's chickstery. Oh, my God. This is Do you see how this works? Yeah. All right. Our first email this week in the first episode comes from a lovely lady called Yolanda Gross or Gross, depending on how she pronounces it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say Gross. Okay. Okay. Hi, my story of women who have been instrumental to my family's histories, are as follows. My grandma, Emma Bitsio, Bitsio. outran the Nazis with her six children under 13 during World War II. Her husband was lost in the war. So she did this on her own. With six children. Six kids under 13. Holy bajoli. She managed to get four surviving daughters on a boat. Oh, 
two children died on the way to the escape. So on the way to the boat. On the way to the boat. The boat took three months to get to Australia and Mm -hmm. the conditions were awful. They landed in Victoria and knew zero English. Oh, my Lord. this is such a normal What year was this? Well, she hasn't said, but I'm going to guess about... Between 45 and 50, 1945 and 50, right. because that was after the Second World War. Oh, and it yeah. normally took a, a few, appli- not applications, but applications um, going through, being processed yes. to get yourself to a ship, to yes. a port that you could, you know, go to Yeah, Australia, my dad came America. out from Italy during the war in 41. Right, on a boat. early. Yeah. That was very early. Mm. So my Polish, I'll continue on, as Yolanda says, my Polish grandma and her four young daughters were taken to Bonagilla. Bonagilla? Have you ever heard of Bonagilla? No. No, me neither. Bonagilla? It's a refugee camp near Benalla. We've heard of Benalla. I've heard of Benalla, yes. Okay. And were put in a tiny tin shed with hundreds in the camp. Oh, wow. My mum and her three sisters had to endure terrible hardships and male harassment. For eight years. Oh, my Lord. Before they were moved into a new home in Melbourne. Eight years. So many stories and so many sad and wonderful stories of survival. Girl power extreme. Yolanda yes. Girl, girl. My grandma died at 49. That's really young. Yeah. Well, yeah. Her yes. four daughters all married and raised many children to now being civic, educated and empathetic Empathic citizens. Thanks, Yolanda. Thank you, Yolanda. Oh, that's amazing. Now, this particular story I really liked out of all the emails that we received because I can relate to it. Yeah. My grandmother, Yvette Shedledsky, mm-hmm. came in 1950 mm-hmm. with her husband, Zygmunt, and Zygmunt. her two children, um, Jurek and Zygmunt Jr. Yes. <laughs> And, and you're Yvette Jr. And I am. Well, we'll get to that later. <laughs> but unbeknownst to them at the time, there was a third child on the way. She was pregnant right. with their third child and my auntie, Krisha, Christina. Uh-huh. So my dad, Yurek, who is now known as George, and his brother, Ziggy, Zygmunt, who's now known as John because he always got called Ziggy the Piggy at school oh, and hated it. Um, they took the three-month um, ship. They actually escaped because they met. My grandmother was born in France to Polish parents, so grew up in France and was taken by the German soldiers and put into Auschwitz to begin with. But because they were Catholic, oh, wow. not Jewish, yeah. they were then given to um, the farmers of Germany to use as slaves. Mm. So that's how she spent the next five years of her life from the age of 16 to 21. She was a slave of a German farmer. Mm. And she met my grandfather who was a captured um, Polish soldier who was being used for the same thing. Uh, wow. Again, as well, Catholic, so wasn't persecuted. Imagine wasn't, that love story. Yeah. Imagine just being a fly on the wall for that love story. Of, oh. And they never slept because they had to work all day long and then they'd all sneak out at night to meet each other at the local hall mm, or whatever. Yeah, so they yeah. could, you know, smoke and drink and dance all night to whatever, to nothing. Mm. And then... They would, you know, go back to sleeping on the barn floor mm. where they were housed. Anyway, then when they, when the war ended, they ended up going back to Krakow, where my grandfather was from, mm-hmm. which was completely bombed. So that's when they put in the um, the, the application to immigrate, emigrate. Is it? It's emigrate when you come from somewhere, isn't it? Immigrate when you I think when you. So. Anyway. Yeah. They Very wanted good. to go to Australia, um, America, but. 
ended up coming to Australia, my grandfather wanted to get as far away from Europe, Europe as possible. Yeah. So whatever happened, what had just happened. Well, Australia will do that to you. Get you, get <laughs> as far, you can't as get far. further. <laughs> but he said as, if we could go as far away as we can, so this – Hopefully, we'll never ever ha- we'll never see something like this. What just happened to us ever again? Yeah. Um. So they ended up going to Australia on the way. My grandmother, she was so morning sick with a third oh. child, not knowing she was pregnant. Tried to kill herself, and they arrived mm. in Sydney to Botany and were put into a refugee camp in Goulburn. So Yolanda's grandmother was put in a. Bonagilla refugee camp and mine went to the Goulburn mm. refugee camp where they stayed. Was Yolanda's in Melbourne? Yeah. yeah hers in was Melbourne. in Victoria. So yeah. mine was New South Victoria. Wales, which is that's why I find Yolanda's interesting because I don't know a lot of the, the Polish or immigrants of that time from mm. Victoria because I know all of my grandparents' mm-hmm. friends' stories. Yeah. So when they actually didn't, they because she had her husband, this is the difference with Yolanda's grandmother, Emma, she was a single mum with four daughters, so they would have stayed in their refugee camp for a really long time because of that. Mm. My grandmother was put into a refugee camp which was for women and children right? and the men were separated. Yes. So they yes. never saw each other. Yeah. And yeah. when they did it was maybe like once a week or something like that. Yeah. But then you you were um, sent, you know, where, you knew where to go. Like they moved to Canley Vale, right. <laughs> the western suburbs of Sydney yep. and, yep. you know, made their life from there. Mm. But... Um, I find, you know, the stories that my grandmother would tell me growing up and I would sit riveted mm, mm-hmm. and just get her, tell me more, tell her, she'd go, I can't, no more for today, another time. Yeah, yeah. And I yeah. couldn't get enough. And I imagine Yolanda and her sisters would have been exactly the same or her mum's. Yeah, that's her incredible. aunties would have been exactly the same, just tell me more and more. Yeah. But they unfortunately lost their grandmother at 49, which is really sad. Very early, yeah, very but, early. The um, it reminds me of Stateless. Have you seen that yeah. show on um, ABC? ABC, brilliant. I mean, show. I can't believe they're still. I mean, that that was happening back in the those days, and it's still happening, still happening. today. Exactly like that. The mothers and the children yeah. are separated, and the fathers are on the other side. Yes. And um, just the way that we are treating these people in. Um, Immigration, in, yeah, detention, detention, like they've, they've done, done something wrong. wrong. They've been pris- like imprisoned. The, and the most heartbreaking thing about these things is that how long they stay yeah. in detention for. Yeah. Like this woman, Yolanda's grandmother, stayed for eight, eight years. years. That's a really long time. Yeah. Yeah. Some people in our detentions are going to be there till they die. Mm. And that's an awful thought for yeah. anyone to be in, especially children. Absolutely. So Interesting story. Thank you, Yolanda, for your email. Thank you, Yolanda. If you want, if you've got a story like Yolanda's or unlike Yolanda's, a story about women or a woman in your family, please let us know. Mychickstree at gmail.com. Send us anything. Just tell us the stuffs. Tell us the stuffs. Tell us the stories. We want we love stories. It. So we can share your stories. This is the place to do it. Yeah. Um, so that's it. That was First episode. Done. Done. Yeah. Uh, make sure you um, subscribe. subscribe, follow, subscribe, press the buttons, do the follows, do the likes, do the We're subs. On... You know what the kids say these days. We're on Instagram, chickstreet underscore podcast. We are. 
Where Evie Jones set that up for us. Yeah, I did. She's, um, she's got skills I never knew she had. I've got buttons I can push. Oh, <laughs> would I like oh, to push those buttons? Anyway. Bye. Bye. We'll see you next week. <laughs>